Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. Welcome back, everybody. We were here last night with our main man, Justin Berg, talking about the hire of Wes Miller. And today we have a dignitary, a local dignitary joining the broadcast. His name is none other than Mo Egger. Hi, Mo. This is weird. Yeah, because I'm it's usually you. me asking you the questions. Yes, it's usually me asking you dumb questions, and you provide insight. I can provide no insight to you. I don't know why I'm I'm happy to be here, but this is weird. I I, I like your thought. Well, I mean, we gave the problem is Mo, we gave all our thoughts last night, but tonight is the regular <laughs> scheduled night for the podcast. So Dave and I don't right. have any real thoughts left to give. So we needed thoughts from someone. Mm-hmm. And we thought, who more passionate about the Bearcats than the pregame, halftime, and postgame show host, Mo Egger? <laughs> Game producer. My thought is, yeah, so I'm thrilled it's over as a fan, as a talk show host. This could have gone on for another five or six weeks. I mean, I got to be honest with you. This was this, you know, uh, usually in, in March and early April, once you kind of get past opening day, there's not a lot there. So. Um, to be able to deviate from Chase v. Sewell, which is never ending, and and have uh, drama to talk about and a coaching search <clears throat> that had a lot of different variables was was great. But as a fan, I'm like everybody else. I, I, I hated the fact, regardless of how you feel about John Brannon, regardless of how you feel about his ouster, and regardless of who, how you feel about who should have been the next head coach, I hated the uncertainty. It wasn't good for anybody. It wasn't good for anybody involved. Um, I think what's happened over the last few weeks has been bad for everyone, and and perhaps necessarily so. And and maybe at the end of the day, uh, Wes Miller is going to be so good that uh, we look back on this and say that that uncertainty was necessary. But I I hated the program itself twisting in the wind. And so now we can actually talk about basketball, recruiting, who stays. Uh, who elects not to stay, what the staff looks like, um, which transfers come in, what recruiting looks like, what the schedule is going to be like, and you're one of the Wes Miller era. That, that's that's fun to me. Uh, what's happened as a fan over the last couple of weeks uh, hasn't been anywhere close to fun as far as I'm concerned. When you, when you first heard the name Wes Miller, I'm sure you probably didn't know a whole lot about him at that point. Uh, as you've looked and, and researched into Wes Miller, what are your thoughts – uh, what what is your first impression on on the new coach? I don't know how you can't be impressed by the resume, and I don't know how you can take any issue with the the decision to hire him. And look, everybody had their preference, and I understand. You know, if if you lean towards at the beginning of all this, you had folks who thought Archie Miller. If you wanted him, okay. If you wanted Eric Martin, uh, I get it. Uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with that from the standpoint of liking Eric, but if you just if you take Wes Miller on his own merit and look at the resume and look at what he did, what box doesn't he check? Understanding what you're going to get, you know, you're, you're, you're they weren't going to hire Rick Patino, and I mean, just you know, f- forget some of the, the the outlandish things that people were throwing out there. Sort of understanding the profile of the kind of coach they were likely to get, which was either going to be an assistant from a power program, a retread, or uh, somebody who had coaching, head coaching experience at a, a lower level. Um, what's wrong with the resume that Wes Miller had? He has more head coaching experience today 
than Mick had when he got the job, than Hugs had when he got the job, and obviously the John Brandon had when he got the job. And in in talking with the uh, UNC Greensboro play-by-play guy on the radio today, there, there are some parallels between the rebuild that was underway with fewer resources uh, at UNC Greensboro and the rebuild that he's going to oversee here. So, um, you know, we'll find out more about his game strategy and things like that. I, I'm less concerned with that. I just, I look at the resume you're hiring based on a resume. And for me and I, Chad, you and I talked about this off air. Um, I was more interested Cincinnatians, whenever there's a coaching search, we always default to like these former Reds or former Bengals or former Bearcats. And I'm like, you know, whenever there's a UC football vacancy, inevitably everybody names their favorite high school coach and Kerry Combs. And it's like, can, can we think outside the 275 loop for once? I like the fact that John Cunningham did a legitimate search working within the parameters of, of what they could afford. There was a pretty eclectic group of candidates there were assistants from power programs. There was in Ronald Norred, a uh, a guy with an NBA background. There were there were people connected to UC basketball. There were people with no connections to UC basketball. And at the end of that, John Cunningham decided on who he thought was the best candidate. And that candidate has a resume that's very impressive. And then when you listen to people and talk to people who are familiar with him or who cover the sport or who know a lot about the UNC Greensboro program, uh, they think UC hit a home run. So I think if you're a Bearcat fan, if you if you had your heart set on someone else, shove all that to the side and look at what they got. I don't know what there isn't to like. Dave? Is there anything you're hoping to hear from him tomorrow? Not that necessarily would make you feel any better about the hire, but just in more of a general sense, just any specifics or anything that you're looking forward to him talking about? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm on board with, with the hire, so I don't need to be convinced, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm wary of falling in love with what happens at a press conference. I mean, I was there when Tommy Tuberville got hired. That was a pep rally. Everybody walked out of there feeling good and, we know how that went. Um, I, I, for me, no. I, I do think that there are a lot of people who want his thoughts on the Bearcat family. You know, there are a lot of people who either they badly wanted Eric Martin or they strongly yearn for there to be a stronger connection between Bearcat's past and Bearcat's present or they're upset at Wes Miller being hired because some former players are being upset. I, I don't need to see Wes Miller make an outward appeal to those players. Um, and look, I, I talked about this on the air. Wes Miller comes from the Carolina basketball family. If there's a program in college basketball, maybe in all of college sports, that is more closely identified with a family of people who came from that program, it's Carolina. So I'm sure that Wes understands the, um, the, the, the importance of reaching an olive branch out to former players who are upset at the way things have gone, involving them in the program, making, making it feel like they count, that they matter, that they have access to the program. Um, I want to hear what he says about that, not because I need it, but I'd like for people who call themselves Bearcat fans who are frothing at the mouth at Cincinnati going outside the family – 
I'd, I'd like for him to say something that can at least somewhat appease them. I, I know he's obviously uh, talked with uh, players via Zoom, uh, interested in finding out more about that. But those guys, for the most part, will come around, I think. Uh, those guys, for the most part, I think will be fair to Wes Miller. And those who don't will go away and you won't hear from them until there's maybe another coaching vacancy. But I, I think fans... I think fans tend to cling to those things a, a little bit longer than players do. And so for those who are upset at Cincinnati going outside the family, I'm interested in, in what Wes can do to, I'm already calling him by, by his first name. I'm interested in what Wes can do to appeal to, to those folks. Um, do you think we will, I mean, from our standpoint, Chad and I hit on it a little bit last night that we're kind of like the past is the past, but this will be the first time you would assume that John Cunningham will be in public taking questions, I guess. Uh, how do you envision that aspect of tomorrow going? I mean, I, I assume he's just going to shut that down and be like, this is about our new coach, but you have to assume yeah. that questions will be attempted to be asked. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was thinking about that with the spring game on on Saturday because Luke is going to talk with people after, and I'm sure someone's going to ask him about the basketball situation, and I'm sure Luke's going to say nice things to whatever extent he can about Wes Miller, but let's face it, his presence has loomed over the, the last couple of weeks. I think it's going to be awkward. I, I expect uh, John Cunningham either himself to say or have somebody with the school say, look, we are, we want to limit the discussion to Wes Miller and where he's going to take the program. And, you know, maybe there's going to be another time to talk about what's happened over the last couple of weeks. But I mean, that happens all the time and you still have people who ask questions and try to get to the bottom of what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm sure they're prepared for that. I mean, you're holding a media event a week after uh, you let a basketball coach go that didn't accompany any real comment. Um, there are still a lot of questions uh, that, that people have. And so I'm sure they are, the folks there are aware of, uh, you know, there's going to be folks there who want questions that go beyond learning about Wes Miller. And I'm sure there's going to be a degree of awkwardness to it, but I'm going to guess they do everything they can. And John Cunningham will do everything he can to deflect the questions and answers towards Wes Miller and his regime, understanding that, uh, you know, number one, there's still the possibility of litigation. Number two, they've already sort of established a theme of the John Brandon thing playing out in private. So I would imagine they will attempt to make that continue. And I will imagine that there is at least someone asking questions. Maybe it's Chad, someone asking questions about uh, the events of the last uh, couple of weeks. I, I'm in the move. I'm in, I'm in the moving forward camp now. I'm in, I'm in the camp of the music goes and Jim Ross yells, that's John Brandon's music. And he comes running in with like a chair and it turns into like a WWE event. I would be all in favor of that. And, and, you know, having followed his uh, attorney on social media, I, 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 I guess I can't rule that out. I think personally, I find that ordeal fascinating. Um, and, you know, as just someone who's curious about how things like that unfold, I really, really want to know how, you know, what was going on from UC's perspective 
that led them to a place where they removed a coach after just two seasons. Um, I'm also, you know, a lot of people have said the optics of this are bad. UC's handled this poorly. I don't know that. Um, you know, there's a part of me that doesn't like the fact that somebody's professional reputation has been damaged, but I don't think Cincinnati has done that. Uh, they've kept their mouth shut. So I want to hear their side of it. I, I'm not expecting to hear it tomorrow. I want to hear their side of it just because maybe they have done a poor job. Maybe they've done John Brandon wrong. Maybe they've mishandled this whole thing, but I don't know how you could say that they have as of now, because we don't know what their side of it is. We don't know specifically what they have when they decided to do what they did. We don't know. So I'd, I'd like for them to speak on such things and for more information to come out before we make assertions about the way UC has handled this. I mean, they are going to hide behind. It's it's a legal matter right now. Sure. Clearly. Yeah. I get that. That'll, that'll be the cover to where they don't have to, to really speak on it. So um, thoughts on it not being Eric Martin. I, I know there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of discussion about that. Um, I think from my perspective, Eric got a legit chance. Like he, he interviewed for the job. He had a second interview for the job. They, they, they discussed numbers at least to, to see where, you know, both sides stood and Cunningham picked somebody he felt was, was better suited for the job. Like I, I, I get the disappointment from some former players and, and from some people that were hoping it was Eric, but unlike last time, they were given a legit voice in this process. They were given a legit candidate in this process. And the AD just felt like they, they had somebody that, that worked better, fit better. I'll, I'll talk about Eric, but I mean, you know, if anybody has a beef, it's Darren Savino because Darren yeah. didn't get those things. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> Darren's been an assistant coach at a high level program for a long time. He's an associate head coach of a final four team. He has connections to the city and connections to the program that frankly are certainly more recent than Eric Martin and wasn't really seriously considered. Um, if anybody has a beef, it's Darren and any of his supporters. As for Eric, I'm disappointed for him because I like him. And I, I think he represents, you know, people talk about, well, Bearcats past, uh, the combination of, of good and maybe a little not so good. Eric Martin represents everything that's good about the Huggins regime, Bearcat basketball. Um, and, and he's put in his time and he's worked for a coach that I think one day will be in Springfield and he's had a hand in their success and he's a good guy and he certainly deserved a shot at the job and he got one. I'm disappointed for him uh, but I'm not disappointed for UC basketball. Again, as you mentioned, they hired John Cunningham, hired who he thought was the right guy and strongly considered Eric Martin. I have no issue with that whatsoever. And what I hope is that this experience better positions Eric the next time a job comes open and that maybe this job is open in a handful of years. And maybe by then Eric himself is better positioned for the job. I would have been upset had he not been given an interview. I would have been upset had he effectively gotten the Darren Savino treatment. And look, I get the former players. They're disappointed for him. I'm disappointed for him. Uh, and I'm a sucker for a great story. And, and a guy coming back to coach at his alma mater is, a, is an awesome story. 
but you don't make hires based on that. And you don't make hires based on the reaction of, of Eric's former teammates or former players or, or the public who wanted Eric to be the job, to get the job. Eric, by the way, has handled this with a ton of class. He sent out a very good and heartfelt tweet today and I, I feel for him and I'm disappointed for him. But knowing him to the small extent that I do, I bet he channels this into a positive. And again, UC hired who they think is the right guy. And um, hopefully this turns out to be something that for Eric long-term ends up getting him to a place where he can be a winning head coach. But again, he was given a shot. And, you know, you know more about, far more about how the process went down than, than I do. But it, I, if, if he got a shot and it was a legitimate shot, I don't know how you could take issue with what happened. This was our first John Cunningham coaching search. There were loads of names. Uh, there were quite a few twists and turns. He did a really good job keeping information under wraps from the UC thought side of things. What were your overall impressions? We don't know the end result because we don't know how Wes Miller is, is going to perform yet. But what were your overall impressions of how John Cunningham handled his first coaching search? The search itself, I thought was perfect. I, I mean, the, the search itself, you may have issue with the ouster of John Brannon, but yeah. from Friday to today or Friday to last night, these things are supposed to take place in private. Um, I think there are regimes. I think there are regimes we've seen here. I think there are regimes in college athletics that are filled with leaks. And, you know, it's it's fun to have information. It's fun to have rumors to run with if you're a fan, certainly if you're a talk show host. But these things are supposed to play out behind closed doors. And, um, I, I you know, I, I think there's something impressive about that. I think there's something impressive about the fact, look, it, I don't think that UC leaked the Eric Martin thing. Bob Huggins was talking to everybody in town. Uh, Eric Martin was a popular candidate among a lot of fans and an obvious candidate before they ever announced that John Cunningham wasn't coming back. So the fact that folks took that and ran with it, I, you know, did, did UC do anything to extinguish it? Doesn't appear so, but can I, I'm not necessarily sure they fed into it. Can I pull back the curtain just a little bit, Mo? Please. Yeah. You know why there was a lot more talk about Eric Martin on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday than there was Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Please. Uh, because Monday afternoon, Bob Huggins went on a three-day fishing trip with one of his billion-dollar donors. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy, that's 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 a boat I'd like to be on. But yeah, look, it. <laughs> but but in terms of of how it like we don't you probably know Chad, but we we don't know specifically specifically how the list got pared down from whatever it was at the beginning of this to when it included Peden, Martin and Wes Miller. Right. And like, Ronald Norad to an and extent. And Ronald Norad. But I mean, we're certainly entertaining the possibility. There might've been as many as a dozen or 15 coaching candidates, at least considered at the outset. Yeah. Right? I, know, I know initially he made a lot of that. Those first two days, he made a lot of phone calls, yeah. a, a lot of like, you know, 15, 20 minute introductory, uh, you know, let, let's start the process type phone calls. I know the John Shire was one. I know Matt McMahon was one. Jeff Bowles was one. Uh, the, most of my list, I am very confident 
at, at some point spoke to John Cunningham. So I know he cast a very wide net initially Saturday and Sunday, cut that down on Monday and Tuesday. And then yesterday reached a, a final conclusion. So the, the search two years ago was limited to basically how many guys? Two. Two. It took five days. This year's search was included how many guys? 15. It took five days. Yeah. So, and and it happened quietly and behind the scenes without a lot of leaks. And so, you know, I mean, if, if Wes Miller's a great coach, we're going to say it was a great coaching search. And if it's a train wreck, we'll say that, you know, John Cunningham had no, no idea what he was doing. But if in terms of the search itself, the way it played out, forget people getting excited about Eric Martin. Forget that for a second. What about the searches there to not like? I believe our guy, Zach Tobler, who's an honorary member of BearcatJournal.com, posted some some tidbits from the call the former players had with Wes Miller today. Apparently, Wes Miller quipped he would have gotten this job a couple years sooner if he could have landed Gary Clark. <laughs> uh, Which I thought was an outstanding, outstanding yeah, line. That's that's good. Uh, he lost um, Gary Clark when Gary went from being a freshman to a sophomore in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Gary was a part of the uh, a part of the Zoom, right? He was there. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Uh, I'm glad that's happened. Um, I hope those guys give Wes a chance, and I hope I hope. I hope fans, I hope proponents of the Bearcat family kind of having the job within their umbrella, I hope those fans give Wes a chance, and they will. If they win, people are going to be back, you know. So um, I, I, I'm excited. I think they they hired a guy, if you just look at the body of work, I don't know how you take any issue with what they've done. What are your thoughts on potentially having Roy Williams regularly hanging around the program? Uh, now that, that Wes Miller is the head coach, because I, I'm told Roy intends to buy season tickets and become a member of UCATS, which uh, I think he called the Bearcat Club. <laughs> Dave, what, what golf course is he going to join? Oh, man. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> whichever, whichever fucking one he wants. Because <laughs> if he's in Cincinnati often – Roy's swinging the club somewhere and it ain't that's Kenton County. Well, well, not, my guy's not coming holes. over here to Newman. I mean, so that's what I want to know. 18 holes and then Roy after dark with me on the podcast. <laughs> uh, is there any downside to a hall of famer who has three national titles and 900 wins being around your program? No. Who's who has no scent of NCAA impropriety. You know, it's like Patino was around. You know, like mixed last year, mixed yeah. second. You know, he was kind of around a little bit, and I had no issue with that. I mean, yeah, Rick Pitino, say what you want. Rick Pitino's Hall of Fame coach, right? If if Rick Pitino says, "Hey, let me talk to these guys about uh, you know executing a full court press and you know transition off," okay, fine, it's Rick Pitino. Uh, but there is the the scent of Pitino all over him. Uh, with Roy Williams, there's there's none of that. So, I, I mean, is is there any downside? to a guy who took two schools to title games being around your program. I, I don't, I don't see it at all. I don't all. think so. No, I yeah, think it's kind of cool. So. Number one, I, I think it's kind of cool that Roy has uh, a great relationship with a dude who was a walk-on and became a coach. I mean, 
Roy Williams has no obligation to Wes Miller simply because he's a part of the Carolina family. So the fact that he apparently wants to extend himself, make himself available and make him a part of his program, at least on the periphery speaks highly of Roy, but it probably really speaks highly of Wes Miller. And again, it's, it's, I mean, it's Roy Williams. <laughs> right. <laughs> Roy Williams five years ago won a national title. He's, he's had some recent relevance. So yeah, I think that's great. I think it's awesome. What, what is success for Wes Miller as a, as a Bearcat? You know, two years ago, the conversation was they have to be uh, regular participants in the NCAA tournament's second weekend. Is that going to happen this year? Seems unlikely, but that that is, you know, th- then it's, okay, he did it. Can he do it again? Can he do it again? Well, how long is he going to be here? And and that's that's a conversation that people are all too eager to, to jump into. Um, but two years ago, that was the the one kind of remaining hump and you know certainly there's the 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 dynamic of what's happened to the program from then to now has drastically changed has got to rebuild the team they've got to you know establish a program the the league they're in is not great football is more prominent at uc than ever before that looms over basketball uh there's a possible legal fight that's going to unfold while wes is is getting his tenure underway but I, I still hold UC basketball in high enough regard that I feel like we should talk about this program accomplishing big things in March. And, and that's not national title or bust. That's not final four or bust. That's, that's ridiculous, but I don't think it's unfair to say, all right, get the program back to where it was. And then at some point clear that last hurdle. And I think that's doable. I think that's doable. Now, the NCAA tournament, there's seeding, there's matchups, and the AAC does them no favors. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Wes schedules because we went from for years complaining that Mick didn't schedule hard enough and the, the schedule gradually got better because of the league. And then what John Brandon was going to thrust him into this year pre-pandemic was just, I mean, that was uh, the teeth of the beast. But I, I, I'm interested in that. But, you know, if, if over his time here, if I assume that it's not a flash in the pan where he's one and done or two and done, and he's here long enough to establish his program, and you get back to the point where it was two years ago, and that's that's easier said than done, but I think it's doable. Then it's, can you clear that last hurdle that two years ago we spent so much time talking about being the only remaining hurdle? Dave, anything else? I think he fell asleep. Dave? Nope, I'm here. Sorry, just had it <laughs> muted. I have that effect on people. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, you know, just... Moving forward from this point till, I guess, the season, what is what are some things that you're most interested to see how they play out uh, with Coach Miller now at the helm? I, I think given to, given to the fact that the last two years, we spent a lot of time talking about coach-player relationships, um, and that wasn't limited to this year, you know, frankly. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in how a coach perhaps being better equipped to foster positive relationships with his players from the get-go could perhaps manifest itself in a team that's capable of getting off to a good start. Now, if he has to fill nine scholarships, who you get and how you blend them together uh, in one off season, um, 
enough to, uh, you know, to, to, to put, put on the court, a team that's capable of winning some games that that certainly is going to be something that's interesting to watch unfold, but I'm, I'm going to pay attention to that. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm going to pay, I think closer attention than usual to recruiting, right? Look, I'm putting Chad to sleep. He's nodding off. Uh, but to recruiting, right? Like he's going from the Southern conference to a premier program in this league, which say what you want about it is better. It's a higher profile job. Uh, I'm interested in, uh, does he fill roster spots in the ways that we've come to expect, which is mid-major guys, fringe dudes, guys that, you know, really can't make much of an impact. Can that type of player be better under Wes Miller? Can he figure out a way to acquire players in the transfer portal who are better than the transfers that John Brandon had to go get to fill spots? How does he hit the ground running in terms of recruiting? Um, That is frankly a little bit more interesting to me over the next couple of weeks. What are some of the schools that the recruits that Cincinnati is in on? What are those schools? Uh, Clearly how can, you know, can he convince Tari Eason and, and Mike Saunders uh, to stay? Can he prevent any defections? Are there any defections that he encourages? Um, all of that, I, I think recruiting maybe a little bit more so than ever is going to be interesting. Number one, because of the size of the class he's got to bring in. Number two, because it just, it, it, it felt like, I don't want to say John recruited poorly, but I, I, was, I was often sort of underwhelmed just in following recruiting. Um, and that's not to say that some of the players he got were bad. Tari Eason could be really, really good. Mikey Saunders was um, a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Mason Madsen was really good by the end of the year. So it's relationships and it's recruiting. And then how all that, you know, what all that leads to in November, I have no idea. Chances are they're not going to be uh, very, very good next year. But I could change my mind based on what I hear and what I see between now and October. All right, Mo. So two years ago, we thought we were getting uh, our our step away from the Cronin Huggins three decades of UC basketball, and it didn't necessarily work. It didn't work. There's no necessarily to that. Yeah, no, it um, didn't work. Wes Miller is is a step outside the family for sure. But if you look at his teams and you watch his teams play, they're aggressive. They press. They try to turn you over. They take care of the ball. They offensive rebound. They drive and dish. They they look like a UC style team. Was that maybe the direction this should have gone two years ago instead of trying to be something that UC basketball was not to just maybe being a different version of what UC basketball has always been? Uh, it's easy to say now that the answer is yes, because it didn't work. Um, but over the last two years, it was often hard to either articulate what their identity was or speak to what the roster at a given time did well, right? I mean, that to me was, I, I think from in terms of on the court, sort of the defining characteristic of the last two years. It was often hard to point to, you know, the, the way they went from Cincinnati basketball, you think defense they were dreadful defensively at times this year, dreadful and, and like simple stuff. Um, We saw help defense that was non-existent at times this season. 
we saw a team that couldn't stop dribble penetrate. I mean, it was it, it, it from what they were just a couple of years ago to what they slowly, or I guess, quickly became was really hard to watch. So, you know, again, I, I could see a coach coming in going, look, here's how I like to play. We're going to play faster. We're going to be more up-tempo. We're going to push pace. We're going to emphasize offense, even if it comes at the expense of, of defense. And if it works, you know, everybody's like, yeah, they needed to get away from what UC was, which was plotting slow, offensively limited, winning rock fights, um, more modern, right? They needed to be more modern. That was the thing two years ago. There, there's no one way to do it, man. I mean, God, there's, and, and by the way, you could adjust to your talent. I watched mixed team come within a, a banked in shot from inside half court of playing for a national championship. And you wouldn't watch them and go, God, boy, they're, they're winning 54 to 52 rock fights. Like it felt like he kind of figured out a way to coach the talent that he had and help that he had Johnny Juzang play great down the stretch. So I, I, I think it's, I think it's easy to say uh, they shouldn't have gotten away from what UC basketball was. They just, for a, a variety of reasons, the successful coach that they brought in, it didn't work. The relationship aspect of it clearly fell apart. And John just never really put together a team that established an identity. And, and getting back to what Dave asked year one, maybe that's what you're looking for, right? At, at the end of the first season, here's what Bearcat basketball is going to be based on what I've watched. Here's what they're going to do. Here's how they're going to play. Here's going to be their foundation. But it, it's also worth pointing out, you know, I mean, I remember Bob Huggins first four or five years. I remember what those teams looked like. They were up and down. They were press. Uh, let's try to beat the team in transition. They shot a lot of threes for that era. And then Danny Fortson comes along and now every possession is dumping into the post. Let him get fouled. Let him get to the cup or see if there's a double team and we're going to fire it out to Darnell Burton. And that was the pivot point that, that UC basketball took on this big, bad persona and it evolved over the years. And then mixed teams sort of took on a similar feel. But coaches, you can have different types of teams under the same coach based on the personality or the personnel you have. Um, I gave you a very long-winded answer to a pretty simple question. But yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in, in the identity of this team in large part because over the previous two years, they really didn't have one. It wasn't like the identity changed, it was the identity went away. And I think that's the bigger problem. All right. I have one football question before we let you go. If you ask me about the spring game, I'm hanging up. I'm not asking you about the spring game. <laughs> if you ask him, are you team Sewell or team chase? He's also hanging up. I'm also hanging up. I'm not because asking by the you about time I'm done with this. By the time it comes out, I could change my mind. Again. I mean, I usually, I, I don't, I don't play with podcasts. We have them up and published in like 30, 40 minutes. Wow. Okay. But my question is, you had on the gentleman for ESPN that, that handles FBI. <laughs> Did he give you a reasonable answer as to why no. the Bearcats were 27? No. In fact, he kind of contra uh, contradicted himself because he talked about what, what, what goes into our metrics uh, are like what you bring back. And I'm like, okay. And it's like, you know, so a coach has been there for a while. I'm like, oh, five Got one of those. Okay, got one of the quarterback who's been there for a while. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, and he's like going down this like list of like things that you should have if you want to farewell metrically. And I'm like, yeah, what's the problem? And I even asked him, I'm like, all right, 
what do the metrics say is a weakness? And he's like, actually, there are none. So <laughs> it was very nice. He agreed to come on. He, you know, he talked for eight to 10 minutes and, and I, you know, again, I, I think there's value in analytics, trust me, but I didn't walk away from it thinking that UC should not be ranked in the top 25 of anything. Right. I, I almost turned it off when he said that recruiting went into it because yeah. I'm sitting there going, okay, so a guy that was a low three-star as a freshman, but is now an all-league player, are you adjusting your ranking to account for that? Or are you taking Desmond Ritter as a recruit and he is counted as a low three-star? Yeah. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> there were no G5 schools in the top 25 of those rankings. So as a fan of a G5 school, it was instantly hard to take those rankings seriously because you simply cannot, con you cannot convince It has me. Mississippi State eighth. Yeah. It has Iowa State fourth. And Iowa State, Matt Campbell is supposed to be really good. I, They're going to be really good, but like Mississippi right. State being eighth is. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, 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 you I, walked I was more interested in, and we're going to talk crap about it at one point and then now say it's like good or whatever, but the probability for the conference I thought was interesting in that it had UC such a heavy favorite to win the league and had Hayden had central Florida with only like a 3.2% chance. To yeah. Win the it, it had Cincinnati at 50 at, as, as winning the league 51% of the time. Is that the right way to put it? 51% yeah. chance of winning chance to win the league. Yeah. So they are that much head and shoulders above and beyond everybody else. Tulane, are, I think, was next at like 18.6, and then Memphis right. was 16. So there's a there's a huge gap even between second. So in the league that uh every single year has the one G5 New Year's six spot, they are head and shoulders above and beyond everybody else in that conference but they're not a top 25 team. Come on, man. Like I said, the guy was really nice. I get it. It, it made for a fun conversation, but no, I, I walked away from that going. Yeah, man, that thing's, that thing's full of shit. Like there's, there's that thing thing. That thing's a crock. And again, you can't tell me like, Oh, it's, it's based on all these things that you, you know, if you have this coming back and you have this coming back, the metrics view you favorably. And I'm like, yeah, Cincinnati has all those things. And yet ranked 27th. Yeah. I mean, just tell us that, 80% of it is weighted because they play East Carolina, Temple, and Tulsa. Just, just <laughs> right. say it, because that's the reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're, it, you're propping up SEC teams because they're playing other – it's the same shit as the playoff committee. It's the exact itself. same thing. Right. So it's just, the say exact it. like, just say, like, because they play dog shit teams in their league, this is what happens. Uh, yeah. Fortunately for me, he didn't say dog shit on the air. I have a <laughs> series of problems in front of me. Terrence the, pretty good on Terrence pretty button. good on the dump button. He is good at the dump, yes. Well, Mo, thank you. Are are we done on Thursdays now? Like, am, am I putting mothballs until uh, football season? No, we'll call you. I mean, I do I'm, have I do have one quick last question for Mo. Yeah, am I, as Tim McGee would say, a moron for being on Team Chase? No, you want them to get the best wide receiver in the draft and be elite at throwing the football. What's how? How's that moronic? 
I, I don't know, but he apparently thinks it is. I, I, I saw that. And you know, I, you know, I was a little surprised because of the position Tim played in. And I, <laughs> I get the whole protect Burrow at all costs. And I'm not, again, I, I you've probably been still. A, you've been a pretty staunch of the, you're, you're quite down the middle, which I am too. I lean soul, but. But you see the other side. Like, I feel like the debate is the chase side is totally seeing the other side. And the soul side is just protect him at all costs. If you draft wide receiver, his knee's going to break as soon as Roger Goodell gets done saying Jamar Chase's name. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is jot down Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Mixon. How are you not at least a little swayed by that? And if, if you like the lineman, you can get in the second round and everybody likes the lineman. I'm talking myself now in the chase, but if you, if you like the lineman, you good can get to, a 38. It feels good. It feels good. Doesn't it? It does. Like they're <laughs> going to get a, they're going to get a premier guy at five and add it to one of the best quarterback situations in the league. I, I, it's not worth getting mad about. And it feels like it's going to be chase. All signs are pointing it to being chase. And that's, that's fine. If I'm making the pick, I'm probably going Sewell, but. I, mean, I think we can all, all be glad is, I'm not making the pick. I can't believe there's still two weeks. I'm totally exhausted by it all at this point. And I love the NFL draft more than just about anything. And I'm just like, all right, we get it. Like, it's well, can you more- imagine though? Can you imagine if there wasn't all this other stuff like free agency and rings of honor and uniforms and stuff like that. And the only thing was and everything going on at UC <laughs> and everything going on at UC. And it was only chase V Sewell. Like I legitimately wanted the coaching search to go into like April 27th because then I'm like, all right, now I'm on the doorstep of the draft and now we can take it seriously. But uh, John Cunningham had other plans. He is Mo Egger. He is the host of the Mo Egger show, which is sometimes hosted by me. You're taking some time off in May. That's nice. Uh, May I'm taking off my daughter's birthday, May 18th, but I'm taking off. Is that mostly um, Tony that I'm filming no, for you, in May? You're in, and then Lance is taking two days uh, off in okay. May, and okay. I'm working at night. But I, I'll say this: in June, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a lot of time off. So uh, one, two, ready. I've got four. I've got four three to sixes in May, and then Tony takes the whole week off, the 24th through the 27th. So I'm three yeah, sixty. So you'll, that whole you'll be week. in a lot. I think Lance is taking. Uh, a couple of Fridays and I'm taking off the 18th for my daughter's birthday, but in you know, June, I, June and early July, uh, there's going to be some absences. The, 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 the second to last week in June, I'm, I'm out too. So we might have to get Dave in there. Here's, here's what I want to know about you. So your wife and daughter go out of town right when shit's hitting the fan. And my yeah. understanding is they come back right when it's calming down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you now the get only to thing leave I, for like a week by yourself? <laughs> the the only thing I got to enjoy was Friday after John was uh, fired. Uh, we, we had an emergency pod. I had a bunch of stuff to do. I was supposed to do a fire pit with my dad. And I called him and was like, hey, I'm going to have to cancel. I think I'm going to work. And you could tell he was kind of bummed because he was looking forward to, to coming over and hanging out and listening to the Reds, play the Diamondbacks. I'm like, look, actually, you know what? You come over, start the fire, hang out by the fire until I'm done, and I'll be down before first pitch. Uh, so I actually got my fire pit on Friday with my dad listening to the Reds Diamondbacks. So that was that was delightful. Other than that, I worked the entire time. Wow. 
Well, we made sorry. we made we well, it was a you know, the money making time in this business is coaching searches. And we it was mission accomplished for Bearcat Journal we over just the past couple much, weeks. We just had too much content to cover. Yeah, too much content. <laughs> he is the host of the Mo Egger show three to six on Cincinnati's ESPN 1530. He writes for the athletic from time to time. He has a blog. Yeah. He is he is an international man of mystery. You can usually find him in the sun slash moon deck at Great American Ballpark. He is none other than Mo Egger. Mo, thank you for coming on. It was thanks for, thanks for yeah. having me. Uh, ask me more often. It's fun. How was I as a question asker? Great. Okay. Better than Good. me. <laughs> thanks, brother. We'll talk soon. Appreciate All right, it, guys. I'll see you. Yep. Thank you. See you guys. That's Mo Egger. Thanks to Mo for joining us to talk about the hire of West Miller. They had our they had our opinion last night. Yeah, that, I, I thought it was only fair to so get, get, give them somebody else's opinion. Today. I have nothing new to say. I don't either, really. I mean, I, mean, you know, you I like it. Up, I think it's you good. Read up on some things and you like it. And I guess that's the thing that like kind of makes me laugh, but also kind of, you know, upsets you as a fan is like for the people and that weren't happy that he got the job, maybe because they wanted Eric or for some of the former players that were very critical about it. Like if you read up on Wes, a lot of things that he holds dear and a lot of things that are important to him are the exact same things that are important to you when it comes to what you want to see out of your basketball team. So while he did not go here, he did not play here, that does not mean that he doesn't share you know, the values or philosophies or whatever, you know, ideals that you do. Cause there's a lot of stuff that when I read it, I was like, I can see hug saying that I can see Mick saying that like, that's the way they play defense. That's how important they thought rebounding was and toughness was like, it's a lot of carryover. And I think. Did he know, say, I, did he say, I don't know. I don't know, Chuck. We're just, we're just not, we're just very, not good. very good. Well, he could probably say that right now. Right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll have some some info tonight as he is uh, in Indy meeting with Mike Saunders and his what, family. Uh, as I asked um, Mo, what are you kind of not again like not that it's a deal breaker or makes you like him more or anything, but just like what are some things that you might be looking to hear or, you know, see tomorrow. I, I don't care. Okay. I, I, just, I mean, he's going to say it's a press conference. I don't get caught up in them. It's probably because I've worked so many of them. And I know the introductory press conference is, you know, more oh. quote unquote, more important than the rest, but it, it, it's, it's a dog. Input. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't shape much of anything for me. It's an opportunity to get a little FaceTime and try to start building some relationships. Like that's the important part for the site. That's what matters to our members long-term, but you know, I, I think yeah. that's more important for me than, oh, for you sure, know, for sure. I'm, I'm just saying, I like, I go in with like a, a pretty singular focus in these things because I, I have, you know, like a, the Luke fickle one, what I didn't expect, what I didn't expect that the Luke fickle one was getting like 15 minutes FaceTime with Marcus Freeman. Right. And it ended up long-term developing into 
a crap ton of content for Bearcat Journal. So that is kind of that's that's the inside my brain on it. He's going to say what he's going to say. I'm sure after listening to this guy talk, he's going to say the right things. Uh, I'm going to ask him about talking to Kenyon last night and see what he, you know, because apparently Kenyon was fair, but voiced his opinion, voiced, you know, where, where he you stood can, you on. You give your not, feelings without being an ass. Yeah. It didn't sound like he was an ass. It sounded like he, they had a, they had a legit conversation uh, about, you know, where Kenyon stood on it and, and, and where Wes Miller stood on it. I'm interested to hear, you know, his take on his conversation with Kenyon because Kenyon's, one of the all-time greats in UC basketball history. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Other than that, man, it's, it's hustling. It's, it's trying to, to, to build that, that network with him and, and whoever might be there with him uh, to, uh, to, to make this thing pop for Bearcat Journal. I think the, the one thing that I am looking for just to, I just want to see like his personality. I don't really care like what he actually says. But like, what right. is his, what is his personality? Uh, because it's I'm not saying that it's like a, a competition, but like I just never felt that John had a, has any personality, and I feel like our coaches have always had big personalities. Now sometimes they've said stuff that you wish they didn't say, but like I I want I want to see like you know and he like how does he just how does he come across like is he does he joke at all? Is he gregarious? Is he very, very, you know, kind of like John was like, I mean, he read his points, but it, there was like no inflection. There was no, you know what I mean? It was just kind of like, here's who I am here. I'm your coach. Let's go play basketball. Right. And I feel like there's a little bit of that in West, but I just want to see, um, you know, who he is as a person. Like, I don't know a ton about him as a person, you can read up all you want about his coaching philosophy and his style and what the players say, <clears throat> but you, you know, this will be by far the like most interaction I'll have watched with him with the media or, or, you know, John Cunningham, whoever else is there. So I think that's kind of just the thing that I'm wanting to see. No doubt. Anything else um, on, on basketball tonight? I mean, I know we no, have I think I'm good. coaches, we have recruiting, but I mean, I still think what it's still too early for most. Uh, my, I, I, I mean, from talking to some people in the coaching world, I think he's got what he wants to do pretty much lined up. Um, I don't think it's going to take long. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think that's probably, if anything, something that plays out over the weekend and we probably hit on the BBP on, on Monday um, just to kind of give the proper spacing between the shows and, and give it a little bit, a little bit more time for stuff to play out. Um, so it, it yeah, sounded I mean, like from what Tobe said, that his bench staff will not any, no one on his bench staff at UNCG will becoming as bench coaches to UC. Yeah, that's apparently what he told the team. So, so um, looking at three assistants. Or, or told told the, the former players, not the team. Yeah. Sorry. Bring uh, Could bring one or multiple 
people in support roles, but it's, it's sounding like the actual three bench assistants will be not from UNCG. Right, or at least not on his his most Her, recent like, staff. Not bringing UNCG. them with him. Not bringing them with him. Right. Um, now let's uh, let's get to football. <clears throat> not really a lot from practice today. Um, I thought it was a really good day for Michael Young. Had a couple drops early, but it was freaking cold this morning, man. I wore shorts it was, and a t-shirt to work. It wasn't that cold. Did you sit out in the wind? No. It's like 15 mile an hour wind. It was cold <laughs> this morning. There were some drops early, but I thought Michael Young had a really good practice. I thought uh, uh, Tyler Scott had a really good practice, which is pretty what's, much a daily occurrence. What's new? Yeah, uh, that that is you know becoming expected. Um, I was supposed to talk to Josh Wiley today, but I didn't think I would make it back up the steps at Nippert. He have carried you. Yeah, right. He dropped me halfway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So hopefully my back is in better shape on Saturday. Or you guys, you and Brent and Aaron are going to have to haul me back up the steps to get out of there. You mean Brent and Aaron? Well, I mean, you could supervise. I'm more of in the managerial type role anyway. (laughs) Um. But nothing was uh, – uh, I didn't uh, – uh, Woodside was in a lot at left guard today. I, I didn't see Coop, so he might have had class or had something going on. Uh, da, 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 da. Prater was back. Um, he had a really nice, uh, like, deep corner to Will Pauling that Pauling was able to catch and get the toes tapped on the far sideline. So that was good. Um, guy, I keep, uh, dude. You know it's not fair. You know it's really not fair. I mean, I got a list. You don't want, yeah. you want me to go into it. It's really not fair that the third string defensive backs are right now: Justin Harris, De'Ari McDonald, Armorian Smith, and Sammy Underwood, or Sammy Anderson. Sorry, I don't know what Underwood where that came from. Sammy Anderson. <laughs> That's not fair. You know how many years we would have killed to have that as like the starting defensive back unit? Oh yeah. Those are those are the third string guys. I've seen McDonald starting to make quite a bit of plays back there at, at safety now that he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. Uh, so I think that's definitely uh, a positive. Well, just look at like the receiver position as well. A couple of years ago, if you had had guys like Tyler Scott and Will Pauling and Mark Cresbell. Three years ago, they just started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Chris Scott's starting to make some plays. Um, it's been it's been interesting to watch a lot of that stuff, like just watching the one-on-ones and the seven-on-seven stuff between all those guys and seeing everybody kind of take a swing at each other every day. Cause you can tell, like, that's a that's a competitive two two position groups that like going after each other every day. Mm-hmm. So um, there wasn't a whole lot else other than just trying to stay warm and keep my back from locking up. Cause it was cold as shit. <laughs> uh, so we got this not sp- open, 
Oh, sorry. Go Tomorrow's a walkthrough. So that's, you know, just getting ready for the spring game and we've got the press conference. So it won't be out there tomorrow. Uh, but, but spring game, what are you, what are you looking for in the spring game, Dave? I mean, it's a glorified practice for being honest. So I'm not really looking for a ton because I can't imagine they're going to show us a ton. But if I was looking for some things in particular, I would just say I'm interested in watching the next. And like we've kind of just talked about, I'm interested more in watching the next group, the next group of wide receivers, the next group of defensive backs, the next group of defensive linemen. I know what we're getting from Sauce and Kobe and Arquan Bush and all the defensive linemen and Dez and the receivers. I want to see in what will be our first vision of the spring in whatever iteration it is to a real game, it'll be our first view of that. And I just want to see how they play. Oh, by the way. Decent amount of four two five today. First time I've really seen that. First time I've really seen a, a collected effort to go four down linemen. I guess if I and it was keep saying it enough, I can be like, like Mr. Ball and speak it into existence. Well, I mean, but think about what that does to an offense. If you have that in your holster where at any time you just run a linebacker off, run a lineman on and you go yeah. from that three, three, five, go four, two, five. And, and the offensive line is like, Oh, Oh crap. I, I mean, I'm by no means, I think it's their best alignment. I think, it could, but you know, whatever. As long as it's a like in the in the holster, right? You're allowed to have multiple holsters. Oh, for sure. I, yeah, I just think that that maximizes where your talent is the richest at. And a lot of uh, a lot of Deshaun Pace at sniper today with the, with the ones, still mixing with with Van Fossen, but I'm almost getting ready to point to the point that I put put pace one a and van fossum one b like i guess my thing with with the four two five is like beavers is a monster now yeah so why like him and van fossum like why the hell not let's go yeah yeah like you don't want to go four two five if both of your linebackers are like 215 to 225 but we are way past that now we are so we are i i mean you, there's so many different ways you can play it now with with, with the talent oh that and that's have. the thing is like honestly i say like that i feel that's my favorite i feel like that would be the best but i mean let's be real like they it, it's not like they sucked last year with the 335 or when they did good, I mean, they, and when they went four down against Georgia, it's not like they had any problems there. Like, so, <laughs> I mean, it's really like, what do you want to call on this one? Right. They should just like, as a joke, like the, like the first week or the second week, just draw defenses out of a hat each, <laughs> each possession. Like have a bingo, have the bingo wheel. And like one of the grad assistants just holds up a ball and it's like three, three, five. And everybody yeah, runs on the, in the next possession. You do it like, 
just to see. He's four three. Yeah. But Thanks, no, what, Nickel. What are, uh, what are you looking for on Saturday? Other than some a little bit warmer I, weather and a uh, not messed up back. Uh, I want to see Prater with, with the lights on a little bit. You know, I, I think that's going to be important. The first kind of look at him in a, a little bit of a pressure situation, not like, you know, high leverage, but at least a, a little bit of a pressure situation for him. I think that'll be uh, pretty interesting to, to get a look at. Um, I want to see Tyler Scott keep up what we've seen from Tyler Scott. I want to see, uh, I want a, a good look at Ethan Wright as, you know, potentially the number two back. Um, I'm really starting to dig Todd Bumpus too. Like, I'm starting to be impressed by what I've seen from Bumpus as the, the number two uh, behind Kobe at that field corner spot. Uh, the D-line, uh, the young D-line guys. Um, I mean, Eric Phillips has had a good couple weeks. He looks like a different kid. That's the thing. Is like we're going to get there tomorrow or Saturday, and fans are going to get there, and a dude's going to make a play, and they're going to be like, who's that? Oh, oh, yeah, I remember, like, that guy. Like, he's hardly played because, yeah. you know, which is fun. Um, are there Will there be concession stands open? That I don't know. Will I be able to drink beer was really the question I wanted. I don't think so. We're working, Dave. This isn't this isn't go relax and hang out. You've got work to I, do. I, I can't I can't watch a spring game while drinking a frosty beverage and write down what happened. Drinking while you work is <laughs> irresponsible. Yeah, uh-huh. Right, right. There's just there's just water in that cup. Yep. I let you have Miller Lights last night during the podcast. Oh, you let me. Yes. <laughs> thank, yeah. I thank let you. you. Thank you, Dad. I let you. I, yeah. I you know. We have we have very high standards here. <laughs> Half the time, our sponsors are bars or breweries, so clearly we don't <laughs> don't care. The only other one has been like a the coffee. coffee to, yeah get you through the next day yeah neither of us drink coffee either that was always the funniest part of the whole gig they i still get it every every two weeks <laughs> uh so really though after the spring game it's kind of all basketball as things fall For now well i mean until june because the the calendar's open dave yeah well i mean but just like the immediate i mean all of yeah. pretty much the rest of April, all of May. Um, is, is seeing There'll be how, some football recruiting in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But seeing how the, the staff comes together, seeing, I mean, I'm sure more kids are still going to be entering the portal. So, I mean, that's the thing is like, I feel, uh, I mean, I am 100% for all of this. But like, 1,500 kids in the portal does not mean there's 1,500 spots available. Yeah. It's not a one-for-one. One. And a bunch of kids are going to be sitting here in June, July, and August like, oh, shit. 
Yeah, but they're not going to be kids at UC's level. No, but uh, those kids are going to get gobbled up. But I still feel, but I still, you know, I, I feel, feel bad. Like, yeah. But, but you took that gamble. Right. I mean, but I think that that's a, a right that you should have. Yeah. It's also a reality that you better make sure that you're. Well, yeah, every, everything, a, every a decision. Fire D1 player. Mm hmm. Yeah. Because if you're not, it could be trouble for oh, you. Oh, did you? Did you notice? You may not have that uh, Jakari Robinson is transferring to Memphis. Yeah, I saw that. He, he decommitted from mm-hmm. uh, Butch. Butch and committed to Memphis. Yeah. Well, I think he wanted to commit to Memphis initially, but the uh, interconference transfer rule was not uh, lifted right. yet. True, true. So once the interconference transfer rule was lifted, he he backed off his. Uh, Interesting that they Arkansas that State the Bearcats and Tigers don't meet up unless it would be in the conference championship. Yeah, yeah. I look, I love Jakari. So no, no I'm me, just saying that, that would always. I mean, you don't see that stuff, like right. So like, hey, I played with you guys four months ago, and now I'm you know going up against you. Like it, that's a new reality too. Like. It's been happening in the Big Ten for a little while now, right? Like that stuff's been going on for a couple of years in the Big Ten, I think. Uh, the A the ACC has it in the AAC, and then I don't think the Big Ten. I think you still have to sit out. No, you don't. No, there's been basketball transfers in the Big Ten, like team to team, for like three years now. Really? Because yeah. when I saw like the release, it was saying. I didn't notice the Big Ten was one of the. There's only a few leagues that is that are currently allowing it. No, the Big Ten, I think, has been doing it for a couple of years. Um, yeah, I saw. I saw Jakari pop to Memphis. They needed a center. Like, he's going to go right in there and be their starting center. Oh, yeah. So, no, I, I, I'm, I'll miss Jakari. Jakari was always a, uh, a positive light to see at the end of practice because he'd always come over and say what's up and dap me up and stop and talk for a minute and – you know, a lot of kids after they get done with, you know, two, two and a half hours in the sun, they're not looking to stop by and, and let you know how their day went and say hi to you. So, yeah, like just to like go out of his way as he's walking out of the, the practice to come over and, and stop and chat for a while. So uh, I will miss having Jakari around. He's a good dude. I don't have a whole lot else, man. I, I am talked out. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, you know, done three of these in, in less than a week. We did one Friday. I've done four and I've done radio. Like it feels like 30 times. Yeah. I've done Lance. I've done Rocky. I've done Mo. I've done Tony. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a, you know, press conference tomorrow, spring game, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday, I know what we said. We're in a little, they're going to have the media and some sort of a corral. Well, we'll be in the first five rows. So come find us. We'll say hi. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll be roped off from the masses. Like they could, like what, like zoo animals that can't get within, you know, there's like a moat in between. And no, they they got it. It's like, uh, you know, where they throw like food at the zoo animals. Yeah. They just said they throw beers at Dave. It's fine. However, they want to give them to me. (laughs) 
you can't interact with them directly, but you can throw beers at. Them. Not gonna, not gonna complain about that. They just want to have like a little styrofoam cooler in the section for when when we get there. That that would work too. I'd say that's probably probably very unlikely. Media hospitality. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's generally not how that works, Dave. Well, that that's generally not how that works. One day, maybe it will. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, do you want me to get you an answer on concessions and beer? We can we can hold on for a second. I mean, I'm pretty sure we know the answer. It's probably no. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, but, if five thousand people show five thousand people concessions, think. yes, there will be concessions Saturday. That is affirmative. No beers. Uh, I don't have an answer yet. I'm, I'm awaiting a reply. <laughs> everyone is very, very. There, know, I um, mean, honestly, this is everybody hanging by a thread. The yeah, answer is, Dave. The answer is like shaking a magic eight ball because the answer is, I believe so. Oh, my God. Glorious. Glorious. (laughs) I just made your day. Nothing like 11 a.m. Saturday beers. So like every other Saturday. (laughs) I mean, what's the difference in that and a noon game? Start drinking way before that anyway. Fair, fair. Eleven thirty game starts. Ten o'clock gates open. I don't know if you're going to be allowed down in the first five rows in the media section with beer. You might have to hang out okay. with the, like, the commoners. I, uh, then I won't be covering the spring game. <laughs> that's why you? That's why we have Brett and uh, Aaron coming, right? Uh, yes, and I inform them. Be ready to work. Because they probably going to drink. I'll probably be doing pictures. So if I'm doing pictures, then somebody's going to have to do the, uh, the, the, the charting of plays. And it's clearly probably not going to be you, given this past three-minute turn of events. I'm, I'm not going to promise anything. We'll see how it I will come re- I will come ready to work as a good, loyal member of – the Bearcat Journal staff, who mainly covers football, so I need I want to do my duties. But if, if it's this is like your get, one major assignment a year is charting the spring game. If it starts to get a little warm and the sun starts to peak out. Yeah, we're talking 50s. I can't, yeah, 59 <coughs> and cloudy is the high. Yeah. So sat you know, Saturday, 1130. 50 degrees it's gonna be a it's not gonna be a warm one yeah apparently there's rumblings that that Wes Miller said in the uh the zoom with the former players that that Jordan's coming back like like brand Jordan yes I know that would make people very happy if that that is a factual statement. But I'm guessing Wes Miller knows Michael Jordan. Like 
<laughs> Better than you and I do. I can, right? I can assure you that. Like, if there's one person that that could say Jordan's coming back with his chest a little bit, it's probably somebody that's a prominent member of of the Carolina family. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So we'll see. We'll be interesting. I mean, their deals aren't very good deals for the schools. No. Other than uh, let let's let's finish on that. I mean, I, I said this on Mo today, and I'm interested in your thoughts. Is having that logo enough of a boost to offset the money? Some money. How much money are we talking though? I mean, I mean, what? Probably not- two million dollars a year, cash. People aren't going to like this, but I don't think so. I tend to lean that way, but it is a pretty big, especially if you bring back like an iconic Jordan brand, like this isn't, you know, somebody new getting Jordan on their chest. Oh, I to- I, I mean, I'm a hundred percent for it. Like, I, I mean, I, it's my, the, the, those uniforms are still like, you know, my favorite. I mean, that was like, I mean, I was this like it was prime fandom. I was like a, a junior and senior in high school in 99, 2000. Like, I mean, there was nothing bigger than those uniforms in UC basketball. So, I mean, like, I have as much appreciation and love for them as, as anybody. Um, but if we're being pragmatic about it, like, what if it's just. What if it's just basketball and, and football is able to recoup some of that, that, that cash? What with a different licensing agreement? Yes. <laughs> like just every other sport is Nike except basketball. Yeah. Is that a thing? I think that is a thing. Okay. I think there are some schools that are only Jordan brand in basketball. Are they like the North Carolina A&Ts? No, I think legit there's like some schools that, that have like it's not, Nike deals. It's not North Carolina. They have, they have the recently, Jumpman on the football uniforms. Recently, yes. Michigan recently went to Jumpman on football uniforms. But that wasn't like all the time. I don't I, I think, mean, it just depends. I mean, like, I don't know what these deals are going to be anymore. You know, like. Yeah. Did they get so big where then the brands were finally like, why are we doing this again? And because they, they're going to need to use our shit no matter what. So why don't we just go, here's the deal. You take Nike or you take New Balance or you take Adidas. Nike and Jordan aren't exactly completely different entities. No, I mean, no, they are to an extent, like, but. Are these dollars figures that we've seen are those now is that bubble burst? Yeah. To where I think they're so. like to where they're like, we're not giving you guys 10 year hundred million dollar deals anymore because right. we don't need to. Like you, you need to use our stuff. Or if you don't like what we're offering, go use somebody else's. Right. I don't know. And I mean, I would I would I mean if they could do a uh, if they could do a share agreement, I would be hundred percent behind that. I just don't know if you can like that's one thing for North Carolina and Michigan to do it. It's another thing for an AAC team to just not bring in anything or, or very little money from their license, main licensing agreement. 
and right. Harold deal. I mean, Fair. Are enough, are enough shorts with sea paws on the butts going to be bought to make up for the millions of dollars that you're not getting that you would have got from somebody else? Uh, beer is being sold. Okay. I have, I have confirmed. I've also confirmed beer not allowed on the field. I didn't think we were allowed on the field anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, um. You see, like, I mean, everybody wants to be like, yes, let's do it. Like, of course. But when you're already for cash. Right. You and how do you cash. how do you even run like a cost analysis, you know, of an estimate on that? Like you can't predict like there's no way of knowing like how much money you would make off to make it be like, oh yeah, we'll definitely make more if you if you, you know, align it where we get this percentage off of you know, of all sales. Sales, right. You know, I don't even know how you would, because, I mean, how would you even know? Because it's not like a repeat thing. You buy, like, I buy a pair of shorts. I'm not buying another one in four months or six months. Right. Um, big thanks to Tobes for stopping on the board. Uh, and, and dropping his thoughts. That was, uh, that was big time, I think, to, uh, to, to get that for our members. That is, uh, another one of the Bearcat Journal differences is, uh, having somebody like Zach with the ability to pop in and, and give us his perspective as a beloved Bearcat. Who doesn't love Tobes? So oh, thanks to Zach. Thanks, thanks to again. all the members, man. Like yeah. Over 2 million page views this month. In 14 days, in two weeks. Like what, tell what's our, what's our goal in the month? Our goal for the month was 1.4 million page views for, for 30 days. April's 30 days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 30 days. Uh, we hit it in less than, than we hit it in 12 or 13 days. I think yesterday we might've had like, Half a million page views, roughly yesterday. And everything broke at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a, a record, a record number of of members and subscriptions to Bearcat Journal, which that money will be invested back into the product as it always is. Uh, and we're not stopping. I, I I never ever thought. Again, for and for people that are that are new and not listening to this. Um, when I took over in 2016, uh, Tim and, and Todd put in yeoman's work to get this thing started. Uh, but we, we struggled for 10 years to get to 500 members. And over the past five years, we've gone from just at 500, just under 500 members to uh, knocking on the door of 1500. So adding a thousand members in five years, uh, pretty much at this point is, uh, it's crazy. Well, you you started the breaking news. Wes Miller expected to be named head coach. Thread. Yeah. At Eight twelve last night. Yep. So 
50,000 views or whatever. 42,000 views. Yeah. And, you know, 24 hours and 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And it's crazy, too, because I've had a lot of opportunities to, like, to go elsewhere and to do other things and, and to, to branch out. And we see it a lot of this business that, that people jump at that next exciting opportunity. But like, for me, man, there's too much blood, sweat, and tears. I started, I guess about six months into Bearcat layer. So I've been here essentially from the very beginning. And I just couldn't imagine like not doing this, no matter what the, you know, whether it's go run the UCLA site or, um, you know, take a different role in the city or, or work at UC. I've had a couple of those opportunities pop up. The one thing I always like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't give up on this because I, I, I don't know that we're even near the mountaintop. Like, I think we still have a crap ton of growth left and, uh, you know, a, a million ways to expand and make this thing bigger and and better than we ever thought it was going to be so thanks to everybody for for believing in us and sticking with us and thanks to the new people for trying us out hopefully you'll stick around and and it'll become uh your go-to place for uc sports information you know but uh, the community has been amazing i know it's been a little little choppy over the last couple days as everybody takes their side and argues their point but uh Hopefully this is a, and I think from what I've seen, Dave, I've seen some polls. I, I've seen some, some stuff online that, that makes me believe this can be a unifying hire. And if Wes Miller wins, I think it's going to be. And uh, everybody's on the Luke Fickle train, right? If everybody gets on the Wes Miller train, we could be in for a, a heck of a ride I mean, here over the next couple of years. I'm not going to say that I was a hundred percent, you know, on Luke train from the get go. I liked the hire more than I didn't. I know that yeah. some people didn't like it at all. You know, a good, good number. Yeah. Um, I was pretty much right on the last one. Yeah. So I'm like one and a half for two. And I like this one. So I've got a strong track record recently. Yep. So let's hope that continues. We are allowed on the field, Dave, but but in the end zones. Okay. Okay. So that's no beer on so the field. They just set up one of those little portable things, <laughs> right? I can stand in the first row of the end zones and just reach down and get my beer out of there no you're gonna have to pick the decisions are gonna have to be I can't made. do both i can't go up and no. drink a beer and then come down on the field when i'm done with it well yeah you can do that just no beer on the field right we'll figure it out jesus oh, like, this all is right the first time i've ever snuck beer into a onto a football field before we're rambling that's the end. Is anyone, Thanks to Mo. is anyone tailgating? Are the Republic of Cincinnati no, guys no. tailgating? I don't believe there's tailgating. I'll go there too. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you see us wave on Saturday, say hello. 
thanks again to everybody for uh, for being awesome these past couple of weeks. It is uh, it has been by far the best month in Bearcat Journal history, and we're only fifteen days in. <laughs> so, thank yeah. you. He's Dave Simone. Plenty of stuff Saturday. So yeah, that that is a fact. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks to Mo Egger. We'll see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on Bearcat Journal.